And that's how I learned that I have new pollen in my ass. Welcome to the Terminus Podcast, everybody. This is Trevor Holdner. I've never liked honey, but right now I'm I'm a little more intrigued. I would I would <laughs> eat that honey. The the honey that came out of my ass. Yes. Okay. It sounds delicious. And I like corn too, so I mean corn and <laughs> honestly that was that was both disgusting, delicious, and romantic all at the same time. I'm really confused about how I feel about that story. Well, you know what? It's fine. We'll, we'll leave the audience uh, guessing for, for that one. But uh, welcome to the show. Uh, this is episode 15 of our podcast. Jesus, we've done this for 15 episodes. That's 15 weeks. How the fuck are you people listening this long? I have no idea. It'll be four months next week, and that's oh my terrifying. God. I know. That is so weird to it's me. It's actually not even that. Like, I think this is episode six, like, technically 16, because we did that bonus, or, yeah. like, the, the not episode. That's true. Uh, so this is uh, our four-month anniversary. Oh, man. I know. I didn't even get us a cake or anything. That's fine. I couldn't eat a cake right now, because, like, I the, have the world's worst toothache. And the... I have taken... Bee pollen in your butt, and... Approximately 75% of the daily recommended dose of acetaminophen... Boo, your your kidneys are straight. Uh, yeah, no, my I'm a I'm one pill away from liver failure at this point, <laughs> and I have never been a drugs person, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. This uh, this tooth is no joke. God, no wonder um, your your pupils are just pinholes right now, it's, dude. Are you uh, sure it was just aspirin you were taking, or I, it's it said it was Tylenol and it didn't say Tylenol three, so I can only assume that, that they weren't lying when it said it acetaminophen. Twitching and it's just making me very uncomfortable. <laughs> Well, that's just me normally. Oh. <laughs> so I guess I've never seen you as a normal person before. No, I've mostly just been dead tired this whole time. But um, I wish I could say I was feeling good because I, I came off of a rough week at work. and yeah. But, uh, of course, this is um, this episode is the first episode that we're recording after we learned of the death of one of our longtime listeners. Um, from episode one, uh, he supported us when, um, you know, really, I mean, nobody should have supported us in the first couple episodes. I'm, I'm just I didn't support anyone us. listened. Uh, I didn't support us in the first couple episodes, for sure. Um, but uh, he was there. Uh, I am, of course, speaking of Cage Watkins. Um, we mentioned him at the beginning of the show, which probably sounded weird to everybody considering how joke filled that episode was. Yeah. Um, we, we literally, literally found out like right after that recording too. Yeah. It was, uh, it was not a good scene. And, uh, you know, we can't, we can't, whatever we have, uh, or I guess just whenever someone has such a connection to a thing you make, you can't just tack that on to the beginning of a show and do it justice. Um, no. You know, Cage was a passionate person. He, you know, from everything that I've seen uh, from him, I didn't know him personally, but Jeremy did, and he'll be speaking on that in a bit. Um, you know, he, you know, did what he thought was right. He he thought, you know, he fought for what he believed in. Right. And, uh, you know, he was, he was going to be our guy uh, talking about mental illness, homelessness, and uh, drug use, as well as other topics. Um from kind of his gonzo journalism perspective. Right. And um, he never got a chance to do that, and it sucks. It was supposed um, to be this month, too. Yeah. Uh, we were we were in talks, but it didn't happen. Um, personally speaking, I wish 
his family and, and friends, just all of the condolences in the world. We're, we're going to hear from one of his friends as well as obviously Jeremy's going to be speaking on this at length. Um, but, uh, I, I just want to, you know, my heart goes out to you guys cause it honestly losing somebody is the worst fucking thing that can happen. And it, it sucks that this had to happen. Yeah. Especially the way it did. It, yeah. it, it just came out of nowhere, man. It, like, it was it, so fucking sudden. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I picked up Facebook and saw a couple of, uh, posts and, it was like I just got hit in the stomach with a cannonball, man. And, like, honestly, I I haven't had a moment to really sit down and kind of go through exactly what I feel. So it's it's a lot of confusion because, like, right after that, um, we we stopped recording at around 3.30, 4 o'clock It was, in the morning. yeah, we, we did a late session that night. Yeah, and... Uh, I ended up getting an hour of sleep. I had to be in Tulsa for a video shoot for Cold Neon Fetish. She was mm-hmm. on last episode. Right. Um, next day, my my radio show started. and That Monday, yeah. Yeah. Um, I and had some issues getting everything up and running. Had to go through the music, organize it, and all that stuff. Then it was off to work. This is the first time that I've been able to sit down and, and really, I guess make true considerations about how I feel about the situation. It's fucked, man. Because like, this is a kid that was like a little brother to me. And apparently he was listening to us before he and I actually made amends with one another because we had kind of a falling out over, um, well, it's not fair to him that I aired out. So it doesn't really matter, but, um, there's just something you had a falling out. Yeah. We, we just had a falling out. Um, and so we, made amends and I found out he was already listening to the show. Yeah. Which surprised the shit out of me. I, I, I wouldn't have in a thousand years even imagined that. Um, but yeah, he, he had this aspiration of doing gardens of journalism because he had a perspective all his own. Like yeah. he lived the homeless life and all that stuff. And he really wanted to document exactly what it was that led a person to be homeless on, on kind of a individual base by or, or case by case basis and, mm-hmm. and not just over generalize everything. And some of the stuff that he found was just incredibly interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it kind of goes to show his courage, man, because like he, he doesn't know these people. And like, I know not every, every homeless person is going to be the absolute most sane, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember, I'm saying something to the lines of, you know, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die doing something that makes me happy. Um, that was his response to someone who basically said, you know, or, or told him that it's not worth doing what he's doing. Um, but yeah, he had a lot of really, really fantastic, uh, ideas when it came to society, people, um, even spirituality, which I couldn't get behind. Um, he just had this way of words that um, you just you you don't hear people explain overly simple yet complex um, topics so eloquently and poetically. Mm-hmm. But he did, right? But like his his entire purpose was well, he felt his purpose was to try to make the world a better place and like i know that he did so for a lot of people um he 
in a lot of cases, he made my life a lot better living in Kingfisher, Oklahoma when I did. And, um, <laughs> fucking Kingfisher. If you don't know what that is, look that up. It's, 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 it's about as bad as it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Just meth everywhere. Everyone's just on meth, uh, exiled sheriff for, um, drugs and all this shit. But yeah, he was one of the, the bright lights, um, of Kingfisher for me. And so, for sure. Um, him being gone is just a, it's still a weird situation. It's weird having this conversation and having to do this episode without him. And I think one of my biggest regrets right now is not having that conversation with him sooner. Yeah, I really do. And, and the only reason we didn't, in all honesty, we just figured out how to do a lot of this shit. We just figured out how to stream from Skype. We just figured out how to actually sync all that stuff together. Cause you guys have to realize we're doing things off the cuff. We're learning from, <laughs> we're learning from trial and error here. We you are. know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and he was actually making attempts to try to figure it out himself. And, uh, and because he wanted to help, he was genuinely excited to be on the show. He pimped us hard we got some followers off of him, um, people that need, neither one of us know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and yeah, it, 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 it's it just, sucks. It, it's difficult. But like, like Trevor said, man, his friends, his family, um, his brother, his mother, I know that they're struggling really hard. Um, but I want you guys, all of you, regardless if you knew him or not, this goes out to every single person listening to the show right now, past, present, or future. We love you. The Terminus Podcast salutes you all. So what we're going to be doing when we come back, um, we we obviously don't have the perspective, at least not fully, or um, we don't have the, the data that he might have had. Um, but we're going to begin a conversation about mental health and homelessness and drug use and all of the topics that cage wanted to talk about um that begins tonight you know um i know that in the last episode we did that wasn't a guest episode we kind of started a war mm -hmm. with christians kind of had to put that on pause we're, we're gonna put that on on the back burner um i think honoring cage's work and making making it worth something yeah is yeah. is the the best thing to do right now so that's what we'll do we'll we'll start that when we come back um i can't promise that it's going to be any good because we're we're dumbasses, but yeah we're we're gonna try and uh you know we're we're gonna start having these difficult conversations i mean it's the best that we can do and uh i i mean like I, I'd, I'd hate to have his ideas and his perspectives just kind of get lost in the ether so exactly if he can't put it up on canvas for uh, canvas for himself, we're going to do it for him. Exactly. So. We love you, baby birds. This is a content warning for the following segment. We are going to be talking about uh, mental illness, suicide, drug use, homelessness, and other very difficult topics. If this is not something you want to listen to, please skip to the next section where we will talk about recommendations and other such things. But... Uh, yeah, this is going to be kind of difficult for everybody. So if you're not into that, we totally get it. Just um, move right along. 
Hey, baby birds, we are back. So, I guess it's time to go ahead and dig ourselves through the mud here. <laughs> that's uh, that's a way to put it. Yeah, this is this is going to be a difficult episode to to um, record. For some of you, it's probably going to be difficult to listen to, and uh, I, I wholeheartedly apologize for both of those things. But um, I feel like at this point, it's a conversation that definitely needs to be had. Um, we've already kind of touched on some of this content across different episodes. We just never really kind of dug in to it as hard as I think that we're ready to do it now. Well, I I wouldn't classify what we're doing as being ready, but we're doing it. So, yeah, Yeah, I mean, he was kind of our information man in this. Like, that's the thing. Like the entire episode was going to be built around him and his ideas and his concepts and then at that point we're going to have a dialogue we by no means were ready to do this on our own and so i guess where i think it would be good for us to kind of start just uh kind of discussing our own personal history yeah like i know we would have um trevor why don't you go ahead and start why don't you yeah uh totally fine um i do want to say on the outset like we are not mental health professionals we simply have experiences with mental illness um you know it, it's something that uh we we don't want to claim to speak with any kind of authority here um the information that we have it's easily available on the on the internet um you know there are good and bad sources for this kind of stuff so i mean we have to tread lightly, but, uh, you know, I think we've vetted some decent information. Um, as for me, you know, um, well, so I have been suffering from depression probably for the last five or six years at this point. Um, I turned 26 in a couple weeks and... I have basically had depression since I was 19 or 20 and it's it's not the kind of thing like I haven't been treated for it it's not something that has been officially diagnosed but I I think we all know what depression feels like it's not just sadness it's not just lack of energy it's not just like the the lack of will to do something for like a minute like this is something that has been like an albatross hanging around my neck for the last six years or so. Right. And, uh, I, I really didn't feel comfortable talking about it up until very recently because like anybody who hasn't been diagnosed, you know, you kind of feel like you don't really have a right to say anything because people can doubt you. They go, well, yours isn't as severe as mine, or you don't feel like you're not describing exactly the same things as what I experience, And so you're, um, you, you don't have it. Like there are, I, I've seen a lot of descriptions of, uh, the, of, of the disorder as, you know, being like just lack of feeling anything. And I can definitely say like, that's not necessarily been my experience, but I mean, definitely recently it's gotten worse. And, you know, I have started to see some of those symptoms come about. And what's, what, what has really been scary about depression is just the the disconnection from feeling anything any kind of like any kind of uh relationships or um people in my life 
like having no link there. Like it's just, it's not there. And what's really hard for me is that, you know, there was a time a couple of years ago where it was just like, well, it would just be so easy to just not be here anymore. Right. You know, and, and I think suicide ideation is another part of this whole thing that, you know, it, it's, it's hard to talk about, but at the same time, like it's something that people experience. Um, and suicide ideation basically is if, if you're not aware, blessedly, like it, it's the feeling that you want to, but you're not actually so committed to doing it that you make plans, you prepare or anything like that. It's just like a, a constant feeling of like, I want to die, yeah. but not so much that I'm actually going to do it. Right. Um, can I say something just real quick, if you don't sure. mind? Because I, I feel like I'm going to forget if I don't bring it up. Go ahead. You, you brought up um, your discomfort of kind of being out yeah. about what you feel. Um, and the reasons behind it were because you were afraid that, you know, you're going to just kind of be put in a position where you had to defend your own sadness and, and yeah, defend, issues. Yeah, defend this, exactly. And that's kind of a really big issue that everyone faces and that that's how yeah. things just kind of like run run itself off off tracks like you you are that train and for some people they derail entirely and that's right. how a lot of people end up in situations like what we're going to explain later exactly um, because you know you don't want to sit here and try to make your your problems appear worse to right. others and i mean obviously my mole hills are going to be much different than another person's mole hills but it's not up to me to try to devalue your own struggle you know and 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 that that's the stigma that we have to learn how to get around we have right. to get rid of that stigma and and it should it should bear mentioning that i there is the the, the stigma kind of comes into place in two areas um it, it comes into place on a professional level in the sense that your employers or even medical professionals aren't necessarily going to understand because they don't experience it themselves potentially. Um, obviously that's not true for everybody, but it, it does seem to be pretty common. Um, and the other aspect I think is, is a social aspect and, and there's a lot of facets to that. Um, I think it's hard to explain to your family that, you know, you're, it's not that you're sad, it's that your brain doesn't feel right. Right. And that you don't, like, you don't feel correct. You know, like, yeah. there's something not turning on inside of you. Um, but also, especially, I think, with men, um, there's the aspect of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Uh, we don't talk about our feelings. Right. And we one consequence of that you know it's not like oh we're we're so much more emotional or romantic or whatever the fuck it's we're not talking about when we have a mental illness we're not talking about feeling broken and this leads to suicide it leads to other things going on it it whenever we talk about our mental illnesses it's it's something that we don't we don't express because we're afraid that it's from the stupid perspective of, of toxic masculinity, we're afraid that we're going to be seen as less of a man for having a mental illness. Um, and, and I should say I've been using words like broken or not correct, things like that. 
Um, there, there's another aspect to this as well, which is the, the sort of we've talked about in the past ableism, um, feeling like neurotypicality, feeling that um, anyone with a brain that isn't, a, a, you know, affected by depression and isn't affected by, you know, other mental illnesses like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or things like that are somehow better or more correct than those other brains. Right. Obviously, that's not fucking true. Right. Um, obviously, your mental illness doesn't define you as a person. Um, at least it doesn't negatively define you as a person, but in society, it absolutely does. And yeah. for me, I've had to come to terms with the fact that, you know, right now I'm kind of on a threshold. Like, it it could get much worse for me. I don't know. And I don't have the resources to get care. But it could also not get worse for me. It, it could peter out. It could stay at the same level that it's currently at. I don't know. And that's a fucking terrifying thing. But it's it's something that you know, I've been living with. And right. it's it's hard. It puts a strain on my relationships. It puts a strain on my ability to carry out executive tasks. This like podcast. This fucking podcast. I mean, we haven't talked about this in the past on the show, but prior to this podcast, I would give up on every project that I worked on. Um, and I would leave shit hanging. Right. And this is the thing that I do now on the weekends. It's like, it's not even, it's not even the thing that I have to like give out spoons for, uh, with spoon theory is another thing we'll talk about later, but, um, it's not something that I have to fucking like, dole out the mental resources for it. it's just a thing i'm doing like i know that at 11 30 or so every saturday night right i'm coming over to my friend jeremy's house and we're gonna record a podcast um like i don't have to plan for it i just know it's happening and right. that's very like it's been a fucking anchor for me um in a lot of ways and I have talked for 20 or I've talked for like fucking 10 minutes. So, I mean, I think I should stop now. No. Um, so here's my shit. Like I tell us your shit. I used to bottle stuff up Mm -hmm. to such a degree that it, it did become toxic. Like, you know, I, I grew up in a home that was excessively abusive. And I'm not going to say that my situation is better or worse than another person's. I know that some people did have it much worse than I did. Uh, Sure. But it was abusive all the same. I mean, trauma is trauma. Um, Coming up, I, I was a self mutilator. I've got the scars to show it and I'm not proud of them, but they're there. Um, I spent time in three, uh, mental hospitals for uh, suicide attempts. Um, yeah, it was just a really bad time. And, uh, you know, as I got older, I developed uh, anorexia that was an ongoing battle for several, several years. Uh, and the funny thing is, and and I'm happy that I, I didn't even think about this whenever I decided to, uh, to kind of tell my story second was... Uh, Whenever it comes to people reaching out for help, like uh, uh, Trevor is going to uh, give you all some statistics here in a little bit. But one thing I want you guys to consider is 
the fact that whenever it comes to the amount of people who are suffering from some sort of more severe mental illness, um, a lot of times those resources just aren't easily available uh, for, for reasons of price, for reasons of insurance and coverage. Um, it's just not something that is readily available. Yeah. And that's something that I've personally experienced on my own side, dealing with anorexia um, to a certain, uh, to a completely different degree. Uh, whenever I was dealing with my inner uh, or my eating disorder, anorexia and bulimia both, they weren't at that time known to be masculine diseases, even though you've got uh, male. I, I I remember like a, a male body uh, or. Uh, Male model. Bodybuilder actually died from anorexia. I can think of the lead singer Silverchair. He had anorexia and a song. Um, even the lead singer for Machine Head, he dealt with, uh, I, I believe it was bulimia, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I might be wrong on that. It was one of the two. I do know that. Um, he struggled with it for a little while. And these are things that um, on a very small scale, male pop icons have brought to the mainstream, but they're not going to be like your, uh, what, what's her name? Uh, J June Carpenter. Is that her name? Yeah. yeah June right. Carpenter. Um, she's not, they're not going to be the, uh, big cases because they are such small scale. I mean, they, they don't have the impact that someone like the Carpenters had, you know what I mean? Um, and you've got like the the runway models and shit like that that you know do suffer from it as well um thankfully i feel like as a society we are moving away from glorifying that sickness thinness yeah to that degree i'm i'm very happy to see that because like coming out of it you don't coming out of that you don't really realize how prevalent that is until you just see it everywhere um but whenever it got at its worst, like my entire digestive system, it just stopped. Right. Um, my esophagus down to my colon, um, were just kaput and I was on a liquid diet for a little while. Um, several months, not because the doctor put me on it. I put myself on it. The reason I put myself on it, I attempted to reach out for assistance across the United States. I would call literally every hospital I could find looking for some sort of treatment to help get me out of this. Because I knew at that point it was either sink or swim. If I did not get help, I was going to die. Problem. None of them accepted men. It wasn't accepted as a masculine disease. The, the, which is mind-boggling to me because, like, it's something as simple as biology. Yeah, it's just not eating. Yeah, it, it the it's going to do the same thing. You know, like if you starve, you're going to die. I mean, that it's really that fucking simple. The psychology behind it is very important. Sure. But from what I've seen, for men suffering from it and from women suffering from it, they're typically going to be different reasons um for women um a lot of times unfortunately from from at least the people that i've talked to and in, in my healing um 
it was more about image and uh, trying to perpetuate, or, or trying to be, uh, or, or fit this mold that society has created, that um, glorified, and um, yeah, glorified thinness, and and yeah. hold that up as the social standard for beauty. Exactly. And for men, it was typically more of a control thing. So basically, every and not like. A, controlling your relationships or controlling other people, but more so like everything in your life just feels like it's falling apart. And this is not eating is the thing you can control. Exactly. That's the one thing that you have at your fingertips without killing yourself. And eventually then for some of us, and I know it did for me, uh, turn into an image thing. And I, I, I still, to this day, still suffer from the body dysmorphia. Um, you know, it, it took up until a couple of years ago that I could even look in the mirror. Um, right. It was very difficult. So, you know, I was lucky. I, I was one of the lucky ones. I was able to get out of that. I was able to survive. Thank, thank God, you know, um, by way of a liquid diet and a whole shit ton of pot. <laughs> I, I smoked a lot of pot. Sure. And for the record, I hate pot. I, I hate being high. I hate the smell of it. I hate the taste of it. I hate the way that it makes me feel. But again, but I'm alive because of it. Yeah. Because like eating whenever you're coming out of that is just so massively painful. Like I would run fevers, like 100, 102 fevers every time I would try to eat. Yeah. Um, but I survived. And it wasn't up until... About a year later, I was watching CNN, by the way, side story, um, where they had a had a fucking um, story talking about the medical um, medical science is now accepting and finding a growth in the male cases or yeah male, uh, male cases disorders. is of eating disorders mm -hmm. i broke a remote over that like i was so fucking pissed because all of a sudden these resources are now open but i had to fucking go alone like if i hadn't had the determination that i had i would have died and that scares the shit out of me yeah um so those resources are not easily there they're not easily available. A lot of times you're going to go to a situation. I've been there too. Um, one I'll call out right fucking now right here in Oklahoma. We've got Red Rock. You go to Elk City, Oklahoma, where I used to live. They The only therapist that they had for a very long time was actually through Red Rock. Regardless of your fucking reason for being there, they would try to find a reason in, uh, to hospitalize you. Because that's where they made their money. Every time. And so you you have people working the industry who don't give a shit about you on an individual basis. So then you have like people really muddying up the waters whenever it comes to um, the field of psychotherapy. I know it did for me. I'm still fucked from it. I still have a really hard time trusting therapists because of shit like that. Um, not only that, it is very expensive. Um, in a lot of cases, especially whenever it comes to uh, specialty care, like what I needed, um, those things are just not easily accessible. And so 
there are people who unfortunately just feel that they have to give up. Their backs are against the wall. There's no other option. Exactly. And so it's either I'm going to live suffering or I'm going to end it or I'm going to end it. Like the choice is right here in my hands. And, uh, unfortunately a lot of people end up taking that route. Like how, how many, as of two, 2015, I believe it was, uh, somewhere in the ballpark of, uh, I want to say it was, uh, give me a moment. I'll have this. Yeah. 44,193 deaths by suicide in 2015. But keep this in mind because of the way that suicide works. Um, that number is almost guaranteed to fluctuate. Yeah. That number is almost guaranteed to be actually higher than the number I just gave you for that year, just because of the lack of reporting whenever it comes to suicidal uh, deaths. And that, it's terrible. It is terrible. And I think this is a great place. Well, I mean, nothing, nothing about this is great, uh, but this is a appropriate place to talk, start to talk a little bit about um, some of the statistics. And I want to start by mentioning stigma, um, specifically the way in which we think about stigma uh, and mental illness. And I think what we need to probably fig- you know do here and now is establish that it's not stigma. It's not a minor sort of sense of, ew, it's full-on discrimination. It's discrimination in the workplace. It's discrimination on a social level. Um, you know, obviously with depression, it's one of those things where people will just kind of tell you to get over it. Um, and that's not even the worst, like, like mental illness to have this happen to, but this happens to every single mental illness across the board. And the Scattergood Foundation, um, just defines prejudice against um, people with mental illness in the following three ways. Uh, They first talk about fear and exclusion. There is a genuine sort of anxiety among society at large that people with mental illness are um, dangerous. Um, uh, Quoting them directly, fear uh, and exclusion. People with mental illness should be feared and kept out of most communities. This prejudice is closely linked to the endorsement of the dangerousness stereotype and the blame stereotype. Basically that you can, you know, that you should be blamed for, you know, your mental illness, essentially. Right. Uh, this Just is think often... happy thoughts, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Think happy thoughts. Then you're not thinking happy thoughts. You should leave. Yeah. This is often expressed as uh, NIMBY or not in my backyard, directed towards establishments that serve people with mental health. Uh, conditions like treatment facilities or other facilities that offer job training with people with uh, mental illness. However, individuals can fear and avoid specific individuals with mental illness as well, uh, which is fucking doy. Like, yes, of course, this is something that happens. Like, if you express that you have a mental illness, I mean, let's let's kind of get topical for a second, as much as I hate getting topical about things, but... Um, the discussion of um, the discussion of mental illness that happens anytime there is uh, uh, gun violence in the United States. 
right. um, does not exactly inspire people with mental illness to come forward and tell their story. Especially whenever those are really the only cases that the media even talks about in the first place. That's exactly right. I mean, here's here's my shit, right? As someone with a mental illness, if, if I can't talk about the fact that I have a mental illness because I'm afraid that talking about it will get me labeled, um, like in high school when my fucking principal called me out in front of classes and said that I was a potential school shooter. I was expelled. I was expelled yeah. for two years for, for the exact same reason right after Columbine. Fucking, this happened to me after Virginia Tech. Um, I was into things like Stephen King, and I liked horror. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of cheesy, like a high school student into basically goth shit, like, oh, no. But uh, it happened. And basically, like, I didn't talk about anything. I I wasn't even necessarily mentally ill at the time, but especially now, like there, there's still echoes of that. Like, do I talk about this? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to, you know, suffer consequences because I'm talking about this? And here's the thing. If people are not allowed to talk about their mental illness, then that is what causes people to bottle that shit up inside. Well, it's not and I'm, just talking about it, by the way. It's exactly. also creating from it. It's also yeah. trying to make something else because, like, you, were, you wrote. I mean, yeah, you I did wrote. Write. You did a lot of writing out of that hurt and darkness, and you destroyed it. Yeah. You know, and I know that you weren't really trying to go there, but no. I, but the thing is, like, but it, it right. happened to me, too. You yeah. know, like, I had a shit ton of, like, poetry and all this shit and uh you know we were conditioned as kids that these things are bad it's bad to create from these dark places the only things that you're really allowed to create from and really allowed to to appreciate are these things of immense beauty you know what i mean but right. god forbid you go out and listen to something like marilyn manson for instance <laughs> you know as, as cliche as that is sure um or anything punk rock or just a little more raw and real and not just like you know, fucking Justin Bieber and all of his crybaby bullshit. You know what I mean? These are the things that people are looking for and try to attribute to danger. And then they go back and link it all back to you potentially being a, 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 a killer, a dangerous yeah. person, someone that can't be trusted. And you're taught this at a very young age, even today. I know that for a fact. Yeah. I, I can give you a much clearer example even than my muddy case where I didn't even really feel mentally ill at the time. Um, I can point to a kid who I went to high school with, same same school, same grade as I was. Um, his name was Evan, and Evan had some issues. He I don't think he was in any special ed classes, but I, you know, like without trying to diagnose him, like you could tell like it's not that he wasn't doing okay but it's that like he was he was in his own kind of headspace right and the school stigmatized him in a major way for it they they of thought did. they thought he was going to be the next school shooter like right. 100% and they would spread that rumor around and it really got to him and you could tell it really got to him even if he wasn't connecting on the same level as we were or as they were I talked to him one day before we all graduated and was he was a sensitive kid who didn't like the fact that he was being fucking shit on every single day and it's like it's just a stupid ass fucking stereotype. It, it's 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 Which, one of the things that haunts me cuz 
I participated in even just a limited bullying and it's like fucking had he killed himself or had he done anything else like I I don't know I I don't know I mean I I know how you feel about that I I think one of the more interesting aspects of this though is that since we're talking about the stereotype and everything not to try to derail from what we're talking about too much just kind of side note like we're so worried about the stereotypes and all that shit even now as adults on an individual level on fucking strangers yeah but whenever um you know like the las vegas scene for instance i'm I'm just gonna throw this out there um at that point the psychology didn't matter because he didn't fit the 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 stereotype and everything which is if you would have read the article had nothing to do with skin color, had nothing to do with race. People tried to make it this way. They were talking about the actual psychiatric, um, the psychiatric breakdown, you know, the, the biases, the, the mental illnesses, the religious leanings, you know, the, these things that drive people to do these things, you know, you look like Timothy McVeigh type levels mm-hmm. and shit like that. Um, he didn't have those things. Like, yeah, I think as we know right now, and keep in mind, this is just me speaking for right now. Things may come out. Um, he was on like an anti-anxiety pill or something like that. But, you know, it doesn't matter in those cases whenever we're talking about like the generalization. Well, in those cases, those things are very important to understand. Yeah. For the same reasons that we use them for uh, serial killers. I mean, we could have said the exact same thing about Ted Bundy, who fit none of the criteria for what made a serial killer a serial killer. Right. And, uh, but whenever we're talking about these things, things, they don't matter. But whenever it's fucking with a person and using that person as a punching bag, then it's okay to generalize and stereotype. Right. And so that leads us to our next sort of area of stigmatization or prejudice, uh, which is authoritarianism. So you spoke to this a little bit when you were talking about your experiences getting put into several different mental health facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, people with mental illness are irresponsible and sh- others should make their decisions. Right. Uh, this is closely related to endorsement of the incompetent stereotype. This prejudice can apply to many decisions people with mental illness could make, like decisions about taking medication, decisions about personal finances, or decisions about raising children. In these instances, the authoritarianism prejudice suggests that individuals with mental illness should not be allowed to make those decisions on their own. And one thing that I'm thinking about is this idea that I heard going back to early childhood, which is if you're crazy and you say you're not crazy then you're crazy or if you if you are accused of being crazy and you say you're not crazy that does mean you're crazy because you can't you can't identify behaviors in your own or by yourself right that would be to anyone else nuts yeah um to use that shitty word um which is interesting i don't know if you ever read the book uh catch 22 yeah Okay, so the it's a catch. The whole thing is a catch. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, the 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 part of it where um, he fakes being insane to get out of duty, um, and having the um, the the psychiatrist basically say um, any sane man would tell their captain that they're crazy to get out of pretty much what would be end up fighting war right this is the exact same like this is in mash i mean as a comedic thing i can't remember the dude's name but the guy the guy dresses in drag yeah yeah uh Uh, trying to get section eight shit what was his name i can't remember it's not radar 
Radar no, was the guy radar. with glasses. He's, he was He's literally the only one I remember. That's fine. But <laughs> we all know we, we kind of know that stereotype, and like right. they're like, no, you're not crazy. You're you just you're dressing in in women's clothes to try to get out, basically. Yeah. And like that was played up for comedic effect, but I think that has some shit to like. There there is some shit that that gets thrown around casually yeah. about mental illness. Um, the idea that anybody who suffers from a mental illness on any level mm-hmm. it can't make their own decisions like that it's it's fucking disgusting right um you know i've I've known people who have been placed in psychiatric care who describe their experiences as nothing less than hell because they weren't permitted a single shred of autonomy right and you know, when when talking about mental illness, we we sometimes kind of talk about an us versus them situation again. That goes back to like this idea of neurotypicality. Um, the the concept that because of somebody's brain wiring being different, that they aren't able to make decisions on their own. Um, it it's i mean it's fucking disgusting I, I i don't have any real other words to say on that anybody you know we we have a system that criminalizes basically people with different brains oh no absolutely and i mean we could take it even further whenever like it, it talk let's talk about for instance like since you brought up the criminalization think about the people in prison who um think about sol- uh, the 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 whole uh the the people who are put in full-on restraints, stripped naked, and pretty much just put on full display alone in a cold room yeah, um, until they, quote-unquote, come to their senses. You know, you aren't fixing anything. You're literally just trying to bully the, 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 the crazy out of a person at that point. You know what I mean? And whenever you look at solitary confinement, for instance, like... I don't know what it is that a lot of people think goes on in a person's brain whenever they're sitting in there, but say that they already have a very fragile mindset as it is, that only gets worse. Like, people are very social. We are social creatures. I mean, you could look at a fucking chicken. A chicken is a social creature, and we still treat chickens, in a lot of cases, better than we do a lot of the prisoners who suffer from mental illness in American prison systems. We make this shit so much worse, you know? And that that's when they get help. Like, let's keep right. in mind, we're, we're still talking about a system that, by and large, uh, declines to treat people with mental illness. And, you know, some, some folks, I, I've definitely met a few folks in the sort of mad anarchist community who definitely don't like the psychiatric institution as a whole. Um, and, and I can definitely understand why. Um, in some cases, I would agree. But, yeah, I, mean, I would say in many cases, I would definitely agree as well. But, uh, you know, the fact that we're still talking about a major deficit in, in the people that we care for um, with mental illness. Uh, right. You know, and again, kind of going back to the, the whole gun control shit, one thing that I see it always carried out as a response from the more progressive side of things is, well, we need to reinstitute mental institutions. We need to bring back asylums. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, can we not think of a better way to treat 
the people who are mentally ill in this country. Like by humanizing them. Like, can we like, and, and I mean treat in both senses of the word here. Yeah. I mean treat not just in the medical sense, but also in the like humanitarian or humane sense. Like, you want to stick people back in what was essentially hell. In, like, yeah, in a I mean, mansion. this is where people were like fucking drilling holes into people's fucking brains and shit. And, and this fucking is... removing full fucking aspects of it, taking a fucking ice pick and pretty much like pounding it into the corner of a person's eye, trying to relieve quote unquote pressure that's driving a person insane. Like this is what you're asking for. Yeah. You're, you're wanting to take us back to the dark ages of, of, of psychiatry. It's not even psychiatry. It's pseudo medical bullshit. Yeah. I mean, that that's all it is. It's, there was never any true, any true, like, medical science behind what they were doing. A lot of it was just guesswork and curiosity and cruelty. And that's really it. I mean, yeah, this is where you took people and just hit them away from society for the rest of their lives. It wasn't a place that was devoted to help. It was pretty much just a place to store people away until they finally died. Yeah. And, and this leads me to the benevolence, um, stigma. People with mental illness are childlike and must be cared for. This prejudicial attitude is linked to the incompetent stereotype as well as the stereotype that there is little hope for recovery. This prejudice can seem benign as it is often accompanied by sympathy and pity. As the term benevolence implies, it is not a malicious attitude, but people who harbor it think less of those with mental illness and less of their capabilities. This is an instance of prejudice with a smile. So how does prejudice impact those with mental health conditions? Well, the Scattergood Foundation says that prejudice can impact people with mental illness in several negative ways. Encountering prejudicial attitudes or even being aware of their existence can result in shame, embarrassment, and lowered self-esteem. Even worse, if the person with a mental health condition considers prejudicial attitudes legitimate, he may internalize those attitudes and apply them to himself. This is called self-stigma and it contributes to low self-esteem and low self-efficacy, feeling capable of completing tasks and accomplishing goals. Prejudicial attitudes often lead to discriminatory behaviors if people in positions of power and authority hold these attitudes. For instance, an employer who harbors the benevolence prejudice may not hire someone with a mental illness for a job even if the applicant is qualified for the position. A landlord who holds the fear and exclusion prejudice may not rent an apartment to someone with a mental illness even if that person satisfies the necessary financial requirements for renting the unit. Another significant aspect of prejudice is that it is a barrier to people seeking help for mental health concerns. Many research studies have found that the fear of prejudice causes people with diagnosable conditions to avoid diagnosis and treatment. Prejudice also has an unexpected influence on help-seeking behavior. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you go any further, you know the first thing that I thought of whenever you said that? What? Pedophiles. Seriously. Pedophiles. Yeah. Like, non-active people who have the thought, pedophiles. People who know it, it, it's something that's wrong with them, that it's a right. mental illness. But they have a fear of actually going out and addressing these situations based off of the stigma that may follow. So they harbor these things and they hide them away. They never get the help. And then you kind of breed the monster that you've been fearing this entire time whenever that person was trying to seek help and trying to remain non-active. Fuck, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
I think this is one of those topics that even now, even talking about like in mental health in general, like you, we still probably can't talk about what we just brought up. Right. Because I've seen some nasty shit thrown towards people who argue for proper mental health services for people who want to f- basically fuck children. And you see, that's the funny part about it, man. <laughs> like if you, if you want to, if you want to have an honest conversation, we have to talk about the nasty shit. You yeah. have to talk about the scary shit. Because on, on, on like the cuddly end, there's depression. There's right. eating disorders. There's right. even, you know, bipolar disorder and, and, right. and, you know, schizophrenia and shit like that. Right. And then there's Pedophiles. the shit. Yeah, the, the shit that just makes you feel really fucking uncomfortable. But it's the it's fact. Horrible. But the fact that we don't talk about it, the fact that we are afraid to talk about it and we just close our eyes and well, pretend we're, we're it doesn't talking, exist. We're, we're talking about being afraid to honestly approach the idea that like it's a treatable condition. Right. Right. Um, well, I'm not saying that they can make it go away. No, but, but what it's I'm something saying that is can be that mitigated. it's something that can be, can be treated against. It's it something can be mitigated. That, yeah, exactly. exactly. Like you can teach a person to kind of maybe not get rid of it, but at least put it away to such a degree that they are not a harm to society and, or anyone, you know what I mean? I mean, at this, like, if someone wants to be treated for something that they feel is wrong with them, I, I don't understand why not letting them would be the appropriate response. Like, because it's easier just to chastise them yeah. and treat them like they're fucked up. And, like, while I, you know what, I'll leave my personal opinions out of this, <laughs> but while uh, the, yeah. the idea is despicable, the idea is disgusting, Right, that desire. That does not mean that should a person come to me and say that, well, Jeremy, in confidence, this is something that's going on in my mind, where I'm going to look that person in the eye and just tell him to go fuck himself. Like, that's at that time that me and that person are likely on a computer trying to look up resources to get him the help that he needs. Right. You know what I mean? And that that is a deepened type. That, that's that's some like that that's is an some, extreme. That, that's an that's extreme. some dark mirror shit. But that yeah. that's exactly what where my mind went whenever you started talking but, about that. No, exactly. And and research has found that people who harbor prejudicial attitudes are less likely to seek treatment for themselves if they have a diagnosable condition. They're also less likely to adhere to treatment even if they do go. And a frank discussion about mental illness is going to necessitate you know necessitate a discussion about. Shit that we've basically put off to the side, right? Because we don't want to talk about it because it makes us uncomfortable, right? And it it, it it's awful. Like I I have no good feelings about pedophilia whatsoever. Obviously, no, because it's fucking awful. There's nothing good to say. But if somebody wants help in not feeling that way, like not having those urges and not having that sort of disorder, right? Okay, cool. Like let's let's get you help. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to say like, you are, you are actually exercising your agency and asking for help at that point. Absolutely. And you're being self-aware. You're, you're trying to be proactive. You don't want to take care of other people. Exactly. And if we, if we're going to talk about a harm reduction theory of treating mental illness, that's where we would start is it's kind of like, take it to the extreme and then work ourselves back. Exactly. Yeah. And this is it's, it's a shitty thing to talk about, um, but I never thought I'd say this, 
I feel like that's a good place for us to pause for the bit and, yeah. and let us go to break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the numbers of mental illness and how how that kind of breaks down. Kefefe. Fuck. Welcome back to <laughs> the Terminus Podcast. Kefefe. Make America Kefefe again. Make America Kefefe. I wish that could just be the entire episode. Just says talk about kafefe. No, just fuck it. Just say kafefe and then end sentences. Like just end sentences with kafefe and just be like, "There's we don't need to fucking explain shit to you at all." Like, so I'm totally gonna mark this down in the idea book. Uh, okay, so we're just gonna have an episode where just like just kafefe. Yeah, well, it'll be like the patience episode of Wonder Shows. If you have an idea book, you're well ahead of where I'm at in my life. So good yeah, job. Idea book, dream book, whatever. So we um we told you guys this was going to be kind of a dark episode and I think we definitely hit that point. Yeah. Um so we should probably talk a little bit about numbers and contextualize those numbers as best we can. I mean, again, we're not mental health experts. We're not uh we're we're not statisticians. We don't have like amazing context on everything but we you know we can probably talk a little bit about um why certain numbers are the way they are at a very basic level and then just by based on common sense i mean well common sense is dumb but yes exactly Um, we're laymen we're going to talk about this in layman's terms there we go so Let's start with the just the number of people who have a mental illness uh you probably think it's probably like what one percent two percent of people kind of just based on how we treat mental illness like it's not very many people is it no so what would you say if i told you that it was actually 43.8 million people or one or 18.5 percent of the u.s population and that and keep in mind that's only that's only the ones that are documented and that have been, yeah, that have actually been, uh, go in and talk about it. Yeah, exactly. These are the only people. These are people who have been um, diagnosed. Right. Um, they ex- these are and that's one also, in five adults in the United States. And that's when you're also disregarding things like uh, like something as basic as alcoholism without digging into the root cause and things like that. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about substance abuse, too. Oh, yeah. Um, 43.8 million people. One out of five. You think about it, we we work in the same office building. There are about 700 people. Yeah. So you're thinking probably, or let's say even just where I work, the, the side of it was like 500 people. To do what we, we do, we've got to have some problems. So. In, 100 people in my section could potentially have experienced a mental illness right. within the past year. Right. Fuck, I, like... Whenever you think about mental illness, you don't think it's such a big deal because it's not brought up at all. It's something that the weird people have. Right. It's something the crazies have. And you don't think of yourself or your family. Like, one out of five, the average family size is approximately five people. Right. You know, one out of five people in every home is mentally ill. And then some of that's actually fucking genetic and shit. So, I mean, like, if you look at something like a family home... 
how many of that was actually uh, how many of those people had developed that mental illness just based off the genetics alone exactly approximately one in 25 adults in the united states or 9.8 million so about four percent of the population experience a serious mental illness in a given year that substantially interferes with or limits one or more major life activities now I'm I assume gonna... that's talking about things like schizophrenia. Well, here's or... the thing, right? It could also still be talking about something bipolar like bipolar disorder, depression, and anxiety. Right. So severe mental illness is not the type of mental illness, probably, but the degree. Because there are people with schizophrenia, bipolar, obviously, who live completely normal functioning lives. Like right. they, again, uh, uh, I'm sorry, not normal functioning, but like neurotypically speaking like they they live lives that are completely sort of um unidentifiable from that of somebody without schizophrenia or, or bipolar well disorder. i mean it's like looking and not saying that every person with mental disorder is this way but it's like looking at a functioning alcoholic i mean a yeah. person who drinks throughout the course of a day constantly yeah, is drunk but they're still able to hold a nine-to-five job and all that shit too right and and so this is somebody who could have anxiety so bad they can't leave their house. Right. This agoraphobia, is somebody, uh, agoraphobia. Yeah. This is somebody who could have depression so bad that they cannot carry out executive functions like getting out of bed. Right. You know, like really heavy shit. Right. Um, and so 4% of the U.S. population has had that happen to them in the past year. Moving down this wonderful list that we're about to get real dark now, oh, because we're talking about kids. Good. Oh, good. Approximately one in five youth, age thirteen to eighteen, or about twenty-four or twenty-one point four percent of the U.S. youth population, age thirteen to eighteen, experiences a severe mental disorder at some point in their life. For children aged eight to fifteen the estimate is 13%. So we're talking anywhere from 1 in 10 to 1 in f- or 5 per people. Right. In, in high school, middle school, elementary school, are suffering from major mental illnesses. Right. Right. And I'm that, fucking what now? And, and again, keep in mind that this is in a, in a society that will still do everything in its power to try to convince this child, no, it's just all in your head. Think happy thoughts. Right. Think happy thoughts. Don't listen to that music. Don't read that material. Don't create with these things. Do not create a... Um, don't create negativity. Well, don't 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 create an outlet. Don't to, have an outlet. For yeah, d- yeah, don't have an outlet to kind of put all of that that emotion into. Think happy thoughts. Yeah. And... Then you wonder why people get so fucked up over the years. I have no such. <laughs> no, not you. Anymore. Not you. No, just... I know, but like the, it's it's a fuck. I can't. Now, uh, going back to the the first number that I mentioned, one in five adults in the United States, forty three point eight million, experiences mental illness. One point twenty five or one in twenty five adults in the United States, nine point eight million, experiences a severe mental illness. So. This is why I didn't mention that schizophrenia or bipolar were specifically yeah. these causes because only 
1.1% of adults in the United States live with schizophrenia. That is actually much lower than I was expecting. 2.6% of the adults in the United States live with bipolar disorder. That is very low in comparison to what I thought it would be. Compared to 43.8 million who experiences some mental illness or 9.8 million who experiences severe mental illness, it's not even close. No, not by any stretch of the imagination. 6.9% of the adults in the United States, 16 million have had at least one major depressive episode in the past year. Hi, raising my hand. Hello. I'm right here, boo-boo. It's, uh... So, again, mental illness is a widespread problem. Right. It affects a very large chunk of the U.S. population. Right. And it's not it's not even that there aren't enough resources for these people. It's that the entire idea of care for people who have mental illness is designed around um, basically hiding it, hiding the fact that they have a mental illness um, and hiding the fact that it's okay to have a mental illness. Well, another thing I do want to point out about this, by the way, and this is something I have experienced, a lot of times that any anyone really gives a shit and really does anything to quote-unquote help or support a person is after they've already made every attempt to try to off themselves at that point right. like we're talking like eod situations where they're they're leaving in fucking handcuffs and shit and being locked away for mandatory right. 72 hours you know what i mean like that's really the only fucking way that you can easily get quote-unquote help and i'm not making any sort of fucking recommendation here please don't do this um because honestly whatever it is hospital that you fucking go to i promise you they're in the fucking pocket of somebody so, I mean, overall, like, they're not even fucking helping. They're just, like, it's just a bankroll, man. That's it. Yeah. So, and I mean... It's, it's all bullshit. No, it, it, it absolutely is, man. Like, basically what I'm saying is, if you're if you're having these ideations, if you're having these feelings, whatever the case is, don't, don't go those routes. Don't trust a fucking policeman saying, we're going to get you the help that you need. Don't. Trust these fucking people. Do your research. Talk to people. Fucking spend some time on this. Get better. Don't have somebody who's in the pocket of a fucking politician, the fucking police departments, the fucking governor, even the fucking pharmaceutical companies. Do not go to these people and rely on them for fucking information and quote-unquote help. Find legitimate help. Research that help. Reach out to these people. It is there. Unfortunately, it's just really fucking hard to find because you have all these fucking people muddying the waters and fucking it up for everybody, man. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's it's really it, it's shitty to even kind of talk about this because all of these numbers that I've just mentioned, you know, they don't break these down into demographic groups. We don't have an idea of the people of color who, you know, suffer from mental illness or suffer any kind of consequences from having a mental illness. We don't talk about or like there isn't information on the fact sheet that I have here that talks about, you know, queer people who suffer from quote unquote mental illness, which honestly, I mean, when these fact sheets are made up, does that include the idea that you, if you're trans, you're mentally ill? Well, and again, um, you also have to remember again, and I feel like it's worth reiterating 
these numbers are also only based off of the accounts that are actually reported right. and actually proven. These numbers aren't accurate. These numbers are as accurate as they can be, right. but at the same time, they're also very... They're also necessarily reductive. Right. They're reducing everyone to children or adults. Right. Doesn't matter what else. Like you, black, white, Asian, Latino, you know, gender nonconforming, trans, what have you. It, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, because at that point, you know, we're we're kind of getting granular a little bit, and we should get granular. And I would say in future episodes we should talk about that a little bit more. Oh, as well. absolutely. But, agree. Um, because. With each category of people that we talk about, there are different barriers to, um, to different barriers to getting help. Yeah, and and that sucks. But to kind of move on because there there's quite a bit more here, and it, it doesn't get cheerier from here. Just buckle in, kids. This is going to be a a long episode. Eighteen point one percent of adults in the United States experienced an anxiety disorder such as post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and specific phobias. Another thing I want to point out about that, bipolar disorder and PTSD are often confused for the same thing. So those who suffer from PTSD are often labeled as bipolar and vice versa, which makes it even more difficult to honestly treat. Um, those individuals because like with with bipolar disorder for instance i know this for a fact bipolar disorder in order to actually qualify for that label properly it's not you go in you sit down you talk to a therapist for a little bit and they tell you that you have bipolar disorder this is ongoing studies yeah on an individual person over time you 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 watch their flow you 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 study them there there there's a whole checklist that they have to follow and uh and the, because of the laziness of certain um uh practitioners unfortunately PTSD and bipolar disorder are often treated as each other when they should have been vice versa making it very difficult to actually cope and, and heal from these things yeah and it also bears mentioning like PTSD is a is, is a dis- disorder that comes from trauma yeah as the name would suggest right um Trauma is going to do weird things to people. Absolutely. It's going to make people behave differently than they would normally. Right. And how that manifests is completely different for everyone. Yeah. Now, um, the final list here, or the final stat on this this first list, the prevalence of mental illness in society. Among the 20.2 million adults in the United States who experienced a substance abuse disorder, um, 50.5%, 10.2 million adults had a co-occurring mental illness. So this is sort of where Cage's work was going to touch on, where what was the correlation between mental illness, substance use, and homelessness. Right. And while we we can't know what he could have found, what he would have been able to give us had he been had he had enough time, um, we know that there is a correlation. There have been studies done that do suggest there is a correlation between mental health, substance use, and homelessness, and that the way these things intermingle are weird sometimes, and they don't always make sense. Yeah, to... it's not. It's not always uniform. Like it, yeah. it's always a little bit different. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's an ongoing sort of 
um, thing that you have to kind of constantly look at, much like you're talking about with uh, diagnosing bipolar disorder is an ongoing thing. It's not you look at it at a glance and then you're done. You have to keep coming back to it and examining exactly why. And, and there are certain social conditions that lead to homelessness, but that are also related to mental illness and substance use. Um, and I mean, we can spend days on all of the shit that we're talking about. I mean, we probably will to a certain degree. We will. I mean, that's, that's the thing is that this is not going to be the only episode that we talk about this on. It's not even the first one we've talked about. It's really not. Um, now we kind of get into social stats and I'm getting all of this stuff from the national Alliance on mental illness at NAMI.org. Um, so to kind of put it into perspective, an estimated 26% of homeless adults staying in shelters live with serious mental illness, and an estimated 46% live with severe mental illness and or substance abuse disorders. And please keep in mind in some of these cases, I, I, I want to make this very clear, not in every single one of these cases where a homeless person has mental, mental disorders is uh, implying that that person is also... Uh, suffering from some sort of uh, chemical dependency. That's not always going to be the case. Um, These are also people that, um, in fact, I've met a couple of these people. Um, Some of these people are homeless because of the fact that they had a a, a mental disorder to such a degree that they were not able to work, then they were not able to find assistance, and they just kind of ended up in their situation just pretty much because nobody was there and they couldn't actually support themselves. And, and and let's not forget, I mean, I think this is something that we absolutely need to talk about in this particular segment. Whenever we refer to people with substance abuse disorders and homelessness and, and mental disorders, a good fucking portion of those people are ex-military. Right. People with trauma disorders, people with, um, you know, other afflictions, um, people who are amputees who also suffered from these traumatic experiences who are also dealing with a great amount of pain and had to deal with that by taking fucking painkillers and got addicted to painkillers. And right. now they can't work. They can't hold a job. The military doesn't have any use for them anymore. They're basically discarded husks of human beings. Right. And these are the people you see on the side of the road asking for a dollar, you know, standing on whatever is left of their own two feet. Right. Trying to fucking survive. No, and that's something I actually know from experience too. the PTSD of the uh, ex-military. Yeah. My uncle, he was in Vietnam. Um, fucking severe ass PTSD. Like yeah. to the extent, like my, I remember my aunt had me uh, wake him up and uh, she didn't tell me not to touch him. I did not know this. And so I go to wake him up, and, like, all of a sudden he's strangling me. Like, completely fucking unaware. But, like, even to this day, the guy can't watch a horror movie. Loud noises freak him out. Um, We've worked um, together with a couple of individuals who had PTSD. I remember a situation where a box fell. And, like, all of a sudden, like, uh, one of the guys that I'm sitting next to, really good guy, still in the military. He's actually a medic. Um, all of a sudden I remember watching him duck and cover under his desk. Like, I remember that shit. Like, you know, and, and continue. I just want to say, like, I've actually no, seen that shit. It's, it, it's something that needs to be talked about is that there is a high cost to military service in the United States. And the, the fact that 
you know. You spend more on the war than you do actually on the people like spending got discarded from it. Yeah, I mean there there's no aftercare there. No. I mean the the wars like let's be clear the wars would be awful and fucked even if there was aftercare for the soldiers who fought for those wars, but it's especially fucked given the fact that we don't give a single shit about the people coming home. Well, and it took like fucking like individual nonprofits to set up like yeah. uh, fucking helplines for ex-military and current active military, um, you know, in positions of of wanting to self-harm or or kill themselves because of their their fucking problems. Yeah, and, I mean that's exactly. not shit that the the government set up to to fucking counteract the bullshit they actually caused in their fucking war. Exactly. You know? and, and again, going back to the uh to the list of prejudices like you know, it's it's a combination of fucking authoritarianism, fear and and not wanting to deal with it. Right. And uh if we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. It's okay. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh well, well, well. There's something that'll be done. No, it doesn't fucking get done. Right. It it sucks. Yeah, we've um, been doing that for several decades at this point. Um, so when are we going to start getting that done? Then here's a here's a cheery one. You'll oh, love this one. Good. Approximately twenty percent of state prisoners and twenty one percent of local jail prisoners have a recent history. Of a mental health condition. That makes sense. Because remember, not like we talked a little bit about the lack of care. Um, one thing that progressives want is more facilities for mental health. Right. Um, really, we have that now. They just don't realize it, and it's called prisons. Right. And that sucks. That's a fucking awful thing to think about. Well, there's there's two things that I want to point out about that too, because the way that we criminalize addiction instead of yeah. actually treating it. Oh yeah. Um. So like nonviolent drug addicts, um, that are sitting behind bars just on possession alone. You know. Um. But on a more severe scale, I, I know of one situation actually. Um. This was actually an inmate down in Texas. I can't remember his name. I do remember he killed. His girlfriend and I believe ate a part of her, if I'm not mistaken. Like okay. I remember, he he was found with like a body part of it, some kind. I can't remember. I think some, it was like a liver shit, or something. Yeah, yeah I was. But real like ba- the real bad. So check this out. Like the guy, <clears throat> the guy had a very low IQ, like two digit IQ. They still found him competent to stand trial. Mm. On top of that, he had severe schizophrenia. Still found him just, uh, capable of standing trial. Is this Oklahoma? This is Texas. Okay. And this was recent. This is within That's the past couple of years. Still awful. People were fighting for him to not do this because, like, again, before his trial, he's sitting in, in prison... They had to do his mugshot three times over the course of a couple of years. He went in with two eyes. They had to take a second one because he pried his own eye out and ate it. Still found him capable of standing trial. He gouged out a second eye and ate it. Still found him capable of standing trial and still sentenced this man to death. For very obvious, like there's no fucking like, 
there's the insanity plea and people who say, well, it was crazy. I don't know what I'm talking about. And people who just kind of crutch on it. And then there are very legitimate, like mentally ill individuals who are put to death for things that in all honesty, I question if he was fully aware of what was even going on. Right. You know what I mean? So there's no therapy. You put him on death row, allow him to gouge out both of his fucking eyes, and then you kill him. That's Texas for you. That's not even like the only case that that kind of no, shit's happened. That's only a very severe yeah. case. The the way that the like obviously the way that mental health facilities treat mental illness is awful. In a lot of ways, I've heard people talk about exactly what goes on in mental hospitals and, and other institutions like that. It sucks. Right. Prison is also really fucking bad. And to speak to that point, 70% of youth in juvenile justice systems have at least one mental health condition, and at least 20% live with a serious mental illness. On top of that, only 41% of the adults in the United States with a mental health condition received any kind, any kind of mental health services in the past year. Only uh, among adults with serious uh, mental issues, 62.9% Serious mental issues or mental health issues received care in the past year. We just, we don't, we don't have the capacity to help people. The The system is broken. There is no way to fix it. And people want to just bring back asylums, basically. Yeah. You just know, tuck them away and pretend they don't away. exist. And I mean, I, I, let me, let me tell you something from personal experience like i i don't i don't think that this is a statistic you're going to see i don't even think it's a, a statistic it's just something that i observed in my time in mental hospitals right so every mental hospital i've ever been to and i'm sure if you've ever been to one yourself you know exactly what i'm talking about they always had group therapy mm-hmm. and basically group therapy consisted of you telling your story now, the majority of the people that I shared residency with were people, unfortunately, who had like a stunted mental development. Um, there was one girl who was completely mute, and she, whenever the only sounds she ever made were screams, like a legit. Um, right. She was carried around this little teddy bear, and I've got a whole story about that that I'm just not going to dig into because yeah, the, that story would just yeah. tell you how fucked up the place I was at. Yeah. Basically, if you look up Shadow Mountain in Tulsa. No, I'm good. Yeah. I was there. Mm-hmm. And that place, I'm not even touching it. Basically, let that place fucking burn. But um, And pretty much almost every fucking nurse that, that uh, was there, let them burn with it. <clears throat> But they were very abusive to a lot of these people. They didn't fuck with me because I was aware. Right. You're like, motherfucker, I'll hit yeah. you back. Like, I'm right fucking here. I, I do have my my capabilities. I, I know what's going on. But they're unfortunately, uh, in every situation I've ever been in, there were those individuals. And one of the common threads that you would see with a lot of these individuals um, who would tell their stories, um, especially with the 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 mentally or, or the the intellectually uh, challenged. Um, I don't know if this is because of, or this happened maybe because of. I'm not sure, but one of the common themes that ran through their stories of what 
caused them to be this the way that they were was often molestation and rape. And me being who I am, that's very difficult for me to hear because I'm not having to be on these heavy psychotropics, you know, or the, these anti-psychotics and things like that that these individuals were. Like, I'm not having to pretty much just be tranquilized. Right. Um, and so I'm probably the more aware person in all these groups hearing story after story after story of kid after kid after kid going through this shit. And uh, I kind of wonder how much of that would tie into that very specific demographic um, of juvenile uh, yeah. inmates, you know? I mean, I, I think with that, it, it's it's hard to say. Like, I, I don't have the stats on it, but, yeah. you know, trauma... It's not one I'm willing to look up at this point. Trauma and abuse are huge aspects of mental illness. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not just PTSD. It, it's a whole host of things. And, you know, there, there are some like, like, talk, like, let's talk about gaslighting for a second. You, you know what gaslighting is, yeah. um, for the audience. If you don't know what gaslighting is, it's basically, um, it, it's the act of making a person question the very fabric of their reality right. by making contradictory statements, by moving shit around, like, um, kind of to, to bring this back to like a, a famous mentally ill person, Charles Manson, um, his group of people, like he trained them to kill basically by first breaking into people's homes and like moving shit around by like an inch or so. Right. Um, but gaslighters will do this on a daily basis to people who are in a relationship with them or working with them or friends with them as a way of controlling them. Right. As a way of basically maintaining power over that person. And gaslighting can have massive uh, mental health effects on people. And I've seen that shit at home. I I've seen that shit elsewhere. Like I, I know what that shit looks like and it takes years to get over the effects of gaslighting right. and that's that's just if they get specific over abuse exactly if they even get over it they may not even learn how to cope with that and and that that's a whole other fucking awful thing yeah that's a whole lot of like having to dig into a person's like every you know yeah like overall psyche intellectual it's um, it's capabilities the, people learn not to trust other people because of gaslighting right and um, as a as a mental sort of, or as a as a consequence, it's a it's fucking it's just awful. Um, a couple other things. Basically, if you do that shit, you're a piece of shit. That's true. Just over half, fifty point six percent of children aged eight to fifteen received mental health services in the previous year. African Americans and Hispanic Americans each use mental health services at about one half the rate of Caucasian Americans, and Asian Americans at about one third the rate. Um, so there are entirely different stigmas on mental illness uh, among black, Latino and Asian populations than there are among white populations, which is really weird because a lot of the stereotypes and stigma on mental illness tend to originate from white populations. Right. 
so I, from a sociological level, like that's a very fascinating question, kind of in a dark way that, I mean, it's, I, I want to know why basically. Well, I do, th- I do wonder exactly how much of that is based out of like the feeling of safety because yeah. like, I mean, being, being a minority, uh, there's not a lot of like safe haven in comparison to what your average white male is going to find. You know, what I think I mean? that's probably. I think there's probably some truth to that. I think there's there's probably a, a pretty large aspect of that. I I, I think it, it's tough. It, it's especially tough for us to talk about something like that because we have no innate experience and we have no other data about. Yeah, that. we just have to make assumptions. And I mean, and, if, and if, I don't if, feel comfortable on that particular. If topic. if I'm being frank with you and and like I'm genuinely curious, like if you are a member of one of those groups, you have suffered these things. If you found any reason to fear reaching out to somebody, shoot please let us know. Shoot us an email, the terminus podcast at gmail.com. We genuinely want to know. We want to see your side of the story. Um, because, like I said, we're just going on conjecture at that point. But I want to know, like, how it is on on your side, just you as an individual person, not yeah. just as a race, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, especially like just the how how do you sort of surmount some of those experiences if you even have? Um, that being said, there are some general uh, consequences to lack of, of treatment. So he mentioned that 60-some-odd percent um, receive mental health services for serious mental illness and only 41% for just mental illness in general. Um, mood disorders, including major depression, dys- uh, dysthymic disorder, and bipolar disorder, are the third most common cause of hospitalization in the United States for both youth and adults aged four, or 18 to 44. Individuals living with serious medical or mental illness face increased risk of having chronic medical conditions. Adults in the United States living with serious mental illness die on average 25 years earlier than others, largely due to treatable medical conditions. Basically, when you get stigmatized with a mental illness or you suspect that you might have a mental illness or don't have the resources to deal with a mental illness in general, and some of this might have to do with poverty, some of this might have to do with other factors, um, you don't get care for anything else. Right. And that freaks me the fuck out yeah. because I've been talking about how I have a, just the worst toothache on the planet. I've been talking about this since fucking the first episode almost. Yeah. A toothache. Yeah. Like I know why, like there's a fucking bad tooth in my head that needs to get pulled out, but I just don't. I don't know. Like well, it's I, getting it pulled it would mean going and talking to a dentist and spending money and there's other shit to spend money on and and then you kind of get into a, a like a hole of like well I don't really I can't muster shit to do that with. I know in my situation <clears throat> considering I do have a record that follows me mm-hmm. uh as far as the mental health thing is concerned. Whenever I have, like, I've got back problems, yeah, um, and I I had to go through treatment for it. I got a, um, I got a spinal tap at one point for it, um, but no matter what doctor I go to anymore, regardless of the reason, they're always very cautious about the drugs that they give me because of the fact that I've got this medical record. 
Right. And so they, you know, they, they, they look at it and they're like, oh, well, he's, we don't want to give him anything that's going to be too addictive. We're not going to give him anything that's going to be so high powered. He could potentially kill himself with it. You know, shit like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it does follow you. And I mean, regardless of, you know, I, I, I think I may be explaining things on kind of a different level yeah. than what you're intending. No, I, but, I think it's perfect. But it, well, it really it is sucks, like but... if you have this one thing, that's really like get because yeah. everything else after that is just going to immediately tie into that in one way, shape, or form. Well, right. And I think this also goes back to the the stigmatization of mental illness. They look at your record and go, oh, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. Like, it's, it's bullshit. Yeah. You know, if you are – you're receiving lesser care because your history yeah. it suggests that you are a danger to yourself or society. Right. I remember um, there was – oh, man, what was the drug called? I can't remember. Basically, it was an anti-allergy pill that also made you drowsy. But, like, for a while – I can't remember what it was called. I keep wanting to say it was Remron, but that's more of a sleeping pill, um, which I'm also prescribed to that I never take. Uh, hydroxazine. That's what it was called, hydroxazine. Okay. Um, for a very long time – they would not prescribe me anything beyond hydroxyzine because they were super afraid that I was going to do something harm myself with the pills that they were like, we'll just give you something that will just make you kind of sleepy and it's going to be really hard for you to overdose on. And so I just got a fucking hydroxyzine to deal with like, because I used to have like severe social anxiety to the point that I couldn't go out for a while. Yeah. Um, and so they just gave me this fucking pill to make me kind of sleepy. Those made for allergies. Jesus Christ. So it's a thing. It is a thing. And we're starting to get into the dark section of, of this the stats. Oh, I'm buckled up already. And you have some information kind of related to this as well, if you want to pull that up. So over one-third of students, 37%, with a mental health condition aged 14 to 21, and older who are served by special education drop out the highest dropout rate of any disability group. Um, so that sucks. Basically people who are diagnosed with mental illness in school or at young age, like they tend not to finish high school. They tend not to go on to do other things or they drop out um, because of their illnesses, if whether they're treated or not, or most likely they're not treated at that point. And it, it's, it's a fucking, it's a catastrophe. Right. Um, but now we really get into the dark shit. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. The third leading, uh, leading cause of death for people aged 10 to 14. And the second leading cause of death for people aged 15 to 24. More than 90% of children who die by suicide have a mental health condition, and each day an estimated 18 to 22 veterans die by suicide. And, yeah, um, this is this is the shit that, you know... Here we are. We, it just comes back full circle. Whenever we hear about our friends going, or anything of the sort, it's it's because they had this underlying mental illness or something that was affecting them that 
They couldn't talk about. They couldn't treat. Treat. They couldn't express in some way that would help them. Right. They were repressed and told to shut up and told to basically on threat of not being able to live a life that any other human would call decent. Right. You know, don't talk about it. Don't express sadness. Don't express anxiety. Don't express um, feeling unwell. Don't express anything that falls outside of happy, happy, happy society. Anything else makes you look weak. Weakness is bad. Yeah. Vulnerability is bad. Right. Openness and intimacy is bad. Fuck you if you think that being mentally ill means you are a lesser person. Right. I'm putting that out there now. Yeah. You are killing people with your shit. Right. You are killing people with the idea that their mental illness is a perfectly valid reason to shun them from the rest of society. Right. Someone with mental illness, whether it's depression, something as mild as depression, or something as severe as schizophrenia, it it's it, leaving them out, telling them that they're not going to be able to do the things that any other person would be able to do when they're perfectly fucking capable of doing things that any other person are capable of fucking doing. Right. For the most part, you are you are causing people suffering. You are causing people pain. Right. And people will continue to find their way out if you keep doing this and you are ruining families. And you are ruining lives. But you know what? On the other side of that, I mean, if you're if you're one of those people who are doing are already doing this, what he just said doesn't matter to you. I mean, the reality is, people are dying, and you don't give a shit. You give no fucks. You know, like if you did fucking care, you'd be fighting for these rights. You would care about the person sitting next to you who who is suffering. You know, like you would take into consideration a person's possible issues before just randomly fucking assaulting them with the, all your negative bullshit and your 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 just fuck you. I mean like seriously, I've lost enough friends. I've lost enough. I know that I suffer from you know, my own ideations, and I, I struggle with my own self. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I had a suicide note written, and I kept in a fucking notebook for a couple of years, you know, and uh, I ended up finally ripping it up and burning it. But, like, you know, if I ever decide to go, I know exactly how I would do it in this house. You know, like, a, th- that kind of ideation, that kind of pre-planning, like, a it's almost like a safety blanket at that point. You know what I mean? Because right. like, you're so sick of dealing with all the shit it, to a degree. It's almost comforting to a person who lives in my headspace to know that there's an alternative and that's there's a way out. That's anyway. scary as fuck, man. And like, it, it sucks kind of like having that realization during this conversation. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is society in a lot of in a lot of ways that helps kind of uh, guide a person off of that fucking cliff, you know. And if you are that person, like he said, just go fuck yourself. Like you're not welcome here. 
this podcast isn't for you. I don't, no. You know, if you're still listening, just if you do, hopefully you could take something away from it. If you're just listening so you can mock it or whatever, again, yeah. you're not welcome here. We don't give a fuck about you. Get the fuck out of here. Just go fuck yourself. Um, Absolutely. And, and to anyone who is listening who is suffering from mental illness, you're, you're not alone. Um, we've hopefully by talking about our shit, you realize that it is okay to talk about your shit and your shit can be much worse than ours. Your shit can be much less bad than ours. Like it, it doesn't have to be what we suffer from. It doesn't have to be anything. Cause I, I would not, I, I would be the first person to say that like my shit doesn't matter as much as someone else's, but this is not the oppression Olympics. I'm not here to say that, you know, my shit is better or worse than anyone else's shit. Um, you know, I've known people, just the best fucking people on the planet with mental illness. And I've seen it manifest in scary ways. Yeah. And I've been by their fucking side because I'm not a heartless asshole. And I'm also not someone who's going to infantilize someone with a mental illness. Um, now, there there are some things, again, I, I have to reiterate, we're not mental health experts. We're, I, I wouldn't consider myself very well first on this shit, but if you ever need to someone to talk to, I mean, I if if that's something that you need, email me terminus the terminus podcast at gmail dot com. You know, put whatever you need to to get my attention. I have it in my email, you know, on my phone. So I check that all the time. I will get back to you. I will talk to you. Um, you know, I, I care. I, I don't, I don't want to see anyone hurt anymore, like as much as possible. But we've already lost one member yeah. of our listener base. We're not interested in losing anymore no. you know like and and that one hit hard too man like it did like uh, keep in mind i appreciate every single one of you that has followed us i know that here in the past couple of weeks you know more and more people have been coming out and actually talking about how they listen and it just blows my fucking mind that people are saying this you know yeah. calling themselves baby birds but there was never there was never one listener Who's more vocal than Cage? Yeah, and uh, we will keep talking about this shit. We'll keep calling out the facts. Yeah. I mean, it would be cool to have someone who is kind of more on the same train that we're on, but also is like a mental health counselor or something like that who can sure, talk. I can to, actually line that up. Actually, I I have people I can like. Hell, I made a post on Facebook about my my shit and how scared I was. And I have people who are also mental health counselors who we could probably talk to. You know what? I want that. So, so if we can make that happen, we'll, we'll make that happen in the next couple of weeks. Um, as of right now though, I think it's probably best for us to take a quick break. Yeah. Come back. We're going to talk about music and movies and other shit that we love. Fantastic. Because, I don't think we should end on a down note. I think we should end no. talking about the things that we like and that make us happy yeah. and that help us get through the dark times. Absolutely. We'll talk to you, baby birds, in a moment. Yeah, 
And that is why you don't try to remove the right, splinters from your pee hole. Like from no, the, no, with no, tweezers. No, like don't no. do that. Yeah, I know. Why would you do that? I don't know. You're the one who brought it up, dude. I told I you not that. to put fucking twigs up your pee hole. I didn't. You said you no, were thinking no, about no. it. No, no, no. You said no. you were thinking about it. I said it. that it sounded it sounded like it felt good, and then you said, oh, that sounds horrible, and then you come over to my house, tell me that you got fucking, well, you think that you've got splinters in your pee hole, and you try to dig it out with no, fucking see, tweezers. No, see, that's the thing. You, and now you've got like a weird fucking discharge going on. And you this are the is, one who brought this up to me, and you're look, trying to turn this around. Trevor. Um, I Trevor. did not Trevor. stick my dick in the tree in my front yard. I didn't say you put your dick in the tree. You, I said you put the tree in your dick. You is what I said. Tried to fuck the tree in your front yard. While that may be the case, I still did not put the twigs in my pee hole. What I'm saying is do not take my words as advice. Just because I said that sounds like an interesting idea, don't do it. My sexual attraction to trees completely removed from this discussion. I'm talking about the safety and well-being of your own pee-pee. And I would never do anything. And you've got a weird discharge, and you got, like, a pair of fucking tweezers stuck up there. <laughs> you need to fucking see a doctor. I would I not. I know it's humiliating. I, I would understand not it's humiliating. put my own dick but there, in harm's way like that. But you You did. are projecting. You did. You, you showed me. You are projecting. Me. You showed me your penis. <laughs> it's got a weird yellowish discharge, and it smells horrible. That was my normal penis. <laughs> <laughs> that is how it is normally. So we have recommendations. Uh, yeah, one of the recommendations is make sure you shower every day and wipe your dick. <laughs> That's a good don't rule put, of thumb. Please don't put twigs up your pee hole. Don't put anything up your penis. I'm not looking forward. Even even like the, the shit y'all were talking about last week, don't. Look, I'm just saying do I'm that. not looking Watch forward one to of having... Things I'm not looking forward to going to the doctor... As your support, like you already you already brought this up. You said, I don't want my doctor to judge me. There are people who got their dicks stuck in fidget spinners. Yeah, I know. That had a lot more grace in the situation <laughs> than you are with your, your splinter dick. Uh splinter dick sounds like something completely different now. I think I think we need to move on. So we do have recommendations. <laughs> um that got a lot more combative than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> oh fuck. Um Anyway, we do have uh, recommendations this week. I'm going to start with an album. Then I guess we'll we'll go back and forth until one of us runs out of recommendations. Um, I mean, I've got three. I that's mean. that's fair. Um, I have more than three, um, at least. So, well, okay. Here's here's my recommendation as far as uh, the first thing is uh, the selector. With their new album, Daylight. Such a good band. The Selector is a fantastic second wave ska band. They came around the same time as uh, The Beat and The Specials. Um, even as much as I don't want to talk about it, The Toasters. Ugh. Um, you know what? Fuck you. No, fuck you. That's, I had to I've listen to that the band like the second. I or, had to listen to that Kablam theme song. Yeah. Every time I went to the conservatory it's for like so good. 35 years. It makes me think of anyway. uh, The Flesh. Every time. <laughs> and I mostly say that because I like to imagine naked men. Yeah, I know. Well, listen to the toasters. Anyway. Um, came around the same time. Um, it's it's one of the rare ska bands that uh, kind of maintain that style and also like a sense of originality. Um, I don't like ska mostly now, to be honest with you. Like, I'm not a big fan of ska, especially third wave ska. It's not my shit. 
hasn't really ever been my shit, except when it was when I was in high school, because we all had made mistakes. I'm judging you just far harder than... Just, just like sticking your dick in a tree. Again, still better than putting the, t- the tree in my dick. That is what you did. <laughs> anyway... Um, There's a leaf <laughs> coming out of your pee hole. I saw it. Along I named with the pus. Oh, oh! You had to bring that one up, didn't you? Yeah, I did because it's important. It is important <laughs> for people to know this, so we can hold you accountable. What I thought you wanted to meet Shakers in your in your pee hole, like <laughs> oh, it's God. unhealthy. I, I thought you wanted to meet my I, new no, starting Pokemon. I told Pokemon, a fucking Chikorita. joke. I told a joke. Anyway, you ran with anyway, it. Anyway. You did this in real life. Fuck you. Um, I'm put the video up on the internet later. S- the selector's very good. Um, <laughs> this is horrible. This is a horrible time. I'm having a bad day on this podcast. Uh, Victory Lap uh, by Propagandi came out fully this week. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, it's a metal man. album. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> it is a fucking metal album. That's weird. It's uh like there are no uh punk real like there's no real punk references or anything on this I'm album. I'm just really the, hoping it just sounds like straight up Iron Maiden. It doesn't. I'm disappointed <laughs> though. It doesn't. Um there's a song Letters to a Young Anus. Good. Uh lyrics Be careful how much you reveal. I got one piece of advice for you kid. Keep your mouth shut. Put a fucking lid on upon your dissenting views. Remember, this is propaganda. Yeah. This is, it you know what it means, but it's still weird to hear these lyrics coming out of these men. Yeah. Um, don't roll your eyes when they face the flag or stitch a goddamn thing on their carry uh, thing on their carry on bag. Hold your tongue. Th- uh, f- stop your reflex, or though your reflex to gag, nothing you can do. Um, don't laugh out loud when they vote NDP, um, and then act all surprised when they su- when they serve industry. Water's poison despite how hard we mark our little X to rearrange the deck. Uh, damned if we don't, damned if we do, I'd just shut my mouth. If I were you, everything you can you say can and will be used against you and dumbass. Until you get that through your head with a masonry drill, it's all downhill for you. Uh, so, they're having a good time over there in Propaganda Land. I mean, at least they're in Canada. No, I don't think that's a good thing for them. I think they, uh, they look at it a little differently. I mean, but, well, that may be the case. They get to see Moose. No, moose are terrifying. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we've had this discussion already, and we I have feel like had. we didn't come look, to any look, conclusion. I, at this point, I'm pretty certain that in Canada, the moose is pretty much like the 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 house dog. Yes, uh, that sure we'll go with that. Um, they all just have individual pet moose. Survival plot by Warriors. Uh, we thought that band broke up, but they they didn't, which is pretty sick. It's pretty cool. Um, it's a good album. Um, were you gonna do dead weights or? I mean, we could do dead weights together because, yeah. damn it, it's. Uh, I guess I've got two. <laughs> well, no, we just you. No, can, no, no, you no we're, we're doing this. No, I'm. I'm gonna let you have that one because uh, I have two more here. Uh, Maury, basically their entire discography. They have Maury, like Maury Povich. M O R I I, Maury. Did they have a song like uh, "You're Not the Father"? No, they don't. Um, it's an electronic band. It's very nice. It's very, very atmospheric. It sounds very good. And then finally, uh, Chip Zell, the, um, musical artist who did the soundtrack for Super Hexagon, uh, has, um, covered or remixed the soundtrack for Crypt and the Necrodancer by Danny Baranowski. 
and it sounds good as fuck. And those are my recommendations. Tight. I kept it short this time, fucker. So, Trevor fucked it up, so Dead Weights. <laughs> Mountain of Resting. Uh-huh. Such a good album. It's so, a really good album. Man, what it, rec- what it reminded me of when I listened to it was like if... Uh... Oh, how do I put this? Hold on. Okay, so, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so, let's say Texas is the reason. Mm-hmm. Dillinger Escape Plan. Or not Dillinger Escape Plan. I was about plan. to say, holy four. fuck, dude. Dillinger 4. Okay. They're fucking. Right. Right? While Braid is over in the corner <laughs> filming and masturbating. Oh, my God. Right? Okay. And he's just moaning. Like, just oh. crazy moaning. Yeah, shaky camera. You know? He's... <laughs> oh, yeah! Oh, uh, like the that. gurgles make it really, really yeah, awful. Yeah, yeah. But, like, he's filming it, right? Right. And then, like, they have a baby... And it's Nine John Moreland. Later. It's John Moreland. Well, it's Dead Weights. Oh yeah, also Dead Weights. They had twins. It was John Moreland and Dead Weights. <laughs> no, I, 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 I definitely get what you're saying. I would agree. I would also say that it does sound like if John Moreland of John Moreland fame <laughs> <laughs> and Dillinger for it were fucking and had a baby. Yeah, like with braid, with braid, <laughs> masturbating. masturbating in the corner. <laughs> he's just there. I don't, or they're just there. I don't know why. They don't know he's there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's stuck into the window. But uh, he was a little bit drunk. It was. Uh, it's. It's very good. Um, it, it's. It's very midwestern punk, uh, of the style. The vocals are of, interesting. It's very quiet. Yeah. Well, like you've got like uh, it's got like, kind of a gruff like. Well, there's the gruffness, but then there's like a lot of songs where someone's like actually whisper. singing over it. Yeah. So it's like layered. There, there's a there's a harmony. Yeah, and it, but like through the entire album. Oh, and hot water music. We're also there. It's a three way. Yeah. So basically, Dillinger it's Four. Mutant, we're just baby. getting plugged in the butthole. <laughs> Banner Pilot were there. Banner Pilot were definitely there, but they were only doing concessions. They were serving yeah, they, water. They, they, to they, they the were bands. bringing in water and all that shit. Bringing in the towels. <laughs> oh fuck, Banner Pilot. Yeah, they're. No, I don't actually. Don't fuck Banner Pilot. Like Banner. No, Pilot. that's why Banner Pilot's not getting fucked in this scenario. They're mm-hmm. just offering water and towels. Does Red City Radio fall into this anywhere? Uh, no, no, no. Because I mean, I already said hot water music. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, local music fuckery i don't like them it's okay uh, i i you know what we're good we're good uh continue then i've <laughs> <laughs> then i've got wolf parade cry 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 okay which is awesome it's just it's electro rock man right and i love electro oh, it, rock I, I love it. fucking radio love four Lamp. great fucking uh i just love that shit but they just remind me of uh this particular album, anyway, just reminds me of Devo, which is always a good thing. Like, they're not as good as Devo, but it, it, it makes me miss Devo. I like so, Devo. Yeah, they're they're really good. So, Wolf Parade, Cry, 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 and um, Heaven Upside Down by Marilyn Manson finally came out. Okay. And it is tight AF. Mm, good lingo. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I mean, like, and, like, all the titles are in, like, total caps. Mm-hmm. Like uh, yeah, that that you know, <laughs> caps lock cruise yeah. control for cool. Well, I mean he <laughs> he is old. Maybe he just forgot how to use it. Maybe he just accidentally put in the. No, the, you know what it was his, his dad, caps lock, and he just kind of forgot how to. His dad wrote. His dad wrote the album. That's songs. fucked up because his dad is dead. Oh, 
Died earlier this year, you piece of shit. You don't know anything about Marilyn Manson's dad. He could have been raised from the dead in some kind of weird necromantic shit. That was pretty much like his best friend. <laughs> I can't get myself out of this hole. No. We just need to move on. You're an absolute piece of shit right now. <laughs> so, with songs called We Know Where the F- uh, where You Fucking Live, Kill For Me, which is really fucking good, mm-hmm. Jesus Crisis with uh, dollar signs for the S's. That's edgy as fuck. Super good, super edgy. Um if you're if you're 14 year old and you want to scare Oh your my parents, god, if you're 14 is, years old. This is the album. I actually, you know what? I'm not going to say that joke because it was going to sound weird. And uh by the way, me and Trevor, we are actually starting a goth rock band. We are definitely not doing We are that. starting a goth rock band. We talked about this last week actually. Um during the recording, but not actually recorded. Um, Threats of Romance, uh-huh. um, that is our new band name. Check out our new album. Um, Heaven Upside Down. No, that's Marilyn Manson. <laughs> God. I, you can't I, come up with, like, anything original, can you? No, I can't. Piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit. We'll, we'll figure out what the fits. album title's name later. It fits because today I realized that we are living in a time in which Blade Runner is the number one movie of the year. Again. Hold on. Synth music is an extremely popular genre of music. Good. And we are under the imminent threat of nuclear war. It's all good. Yeah, it's the 80s again. So if the time that we live in can't bother to be creative, I sure the fuck don't want to be creative anymore. I just want to sit on my laurels and let everything kind of roll back around. Time is a flat fucking circle. Well, I mean, we already had this discussion. We already said, like, our music wasn't going to be original anyway. It was all no. just pretty much going to be... It was like, going to be Marilyn Manson covers. Well, no, it was pretty much just, like, Joy Division meets Skinny Puppy. So, basically, every goth band on the planet since exactly. Joy Division and Skinny Puppy. Exactly. Yeah, okay. We need to teach you how to do your makeup, though. I, You know what? It's fine. So, coming up I next just, week, I'll just uh, grow... Trevor's makeup tutorial. Here's what I'll do. I will just... Uh, I will grow my beard and my hair... And turn into a Norwegian black metal person. That's okay. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. They just throw, like, clown paint. That's not really the image I was going for. No, it's fine, but no, it works with electronic music. We're going to get you a pair of leather music. pants. Like, we well, go. not even leather pants. We're going to get you, like, get me, those get shiny me pants. fucking black get me, pants. Get, get me pleather pants. You're going to have, like, a fucking... I want pleather pants. You're going to have fishnet shirt. I want fake leather pants. No. Nylon. Or not nylon. Uh, Latex. No. Fuck you. No. Um, <laughs> I am not. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I threw you off. I'm sorry. They're shiny and they're black. That's what you need to know. It's going to be good. And we're going to get you a fishnet shirt. It's going to be so cool. You're going to like it. Beep, 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 yeah. Beep, beep. Your nipples are going to stick right out. Oh, that's going to cause chafing. Yeah, dude. I mean, have it to can't put, be any more uncomfortable than the gold dick bond. I'm going to have to put gold bonders right here. <laughs> <laughs> why do your nipples smell like gold bond? And then at that point, you ask me why I'm smelling your nipples. Because I will oh. be right up there, just <laughs> right up there on your nipple. Mm. Yeah, I would have a body odor problem at that point. <laughs> So there's one more recommendation that uh, I I actually have this week. Going to sneak it in there a little bit. Um, it's actually we're we're going to play the show out with this. Um, we kind of felt it was fitting because it's an oddly 
Against All Odds, very beautiful song. Yeah. Um, it is the MTV Unplugged version, sung by AHA, of Take On Me. Seriously, super fucking good. And we're going to play a clip of it to carry us out. I mean, it's super fitting. I have so. I have a couple of other recommendations. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought that was the end of the show. I've just completely just shot my wad on this one. You really did. God damn it, so you I'll, son I'll of a like, bitch. I'll let you do it again. I don't. My refractory period. Did you period. forget Kevin, and, Kevin Moan the Reptiles exists? We really should, like, talk about them, huh? We really should. I mean, they were gracious enough to let us use their music. So Kevin Moan the Reptiles. Um, this... This particular song, uh, Police State. God, what album was it? Hold on. Kevin Moan the Reptiles? No, that's not it. Give me just a moment. What are you talking about other album? Oh, you're okay. Yeah, I'm talking about like the, the album that the song originally came came from <laughs> before it was like re-released. Um, Wasn't it like Butt Jams 42? No, that's not even a thing. Shut up. <laughs> you mean there's not oh, something no, called was, Butt Jams? Uh, Veggie Tales, All the Songs, Volume 1. Oh my God! All right, there we go. Um, I I think <laughs> I think it was Larry the Cucumber who the sang the song "Police State." Police State. Yeah, Police so, State. <laughs> Police State. You do a really bad uh, Kevin Moan uh, impersonation, but I do a great Larry the Cucumber impersonation. As, I mean that that's Police not... State. <laughs> so. Uh, RenegadeRadio.net They do the Termis Podcast If you listen on Monday uh, Or tomorrow As as of when this When this goes up It will be tomorrow um, I've got my show And the Sick Six See I worked on it There you go uh, With the Hawkins Which is a fantastic Swedish band By the way You should have fucking just fucking came out God damn it Dude You should have You know what <clears throat> it's fine. You have the time. Hawk, the Hawkins ain't rock and roll, um, dude. Like seriously, it's very I good. feel so fucking bad. Like we, he reminded me it was coming out, and and we fucking slept on that one. I did again. I I just had so much shit going on, man. Like I finally listened to it last night. Every fucking song is just so goddamn loud. Like what they were, they remind me of. Uh, they remind this album kind of reminds me of what it would sound like if every time I die wasn't so heavily influenced on hardcore, and more influenced on shit like like Tom Petty. Ah, oh, shit! I forgot. Well, Tom Petty. Yeah, it's been a bad week, everybody. God, I hate this week. But you know what? Listen to the Hawkins. But you, you, the Hawkins ain't rock and roll. They're fantastic Swedish band. They and just... also listen to Madball's album. And Madball. No, don't actually do but, that. But, but definitely listen to the, to the Hawkins. But, like, the Hawkins is cool because this is their first ever release. They mm. worked on it for two fucking years, released yeah. under Sony. So, like, they fucking... They did it. They did it, man. And like They, they did the thing. They won the, the points. Uh, the dude who sings for them, his name is... Uh, I'm probably going to butcher the original name, but Michael Thornburg. Okay. Sure, he probably pronounces it a different way over there. Probably. Whatever. Something he's, like Mikhail he's, Kornberg. He's, he's probably got like a fantastic Swedish accent. Oh, you know he does. I don't know. Like he, I know, you know he's he, an awesome guy in messages. Mm. It's cool. Whatever. Yeah. But anyway, he created a six-song playlist for the show tomorrow. and uh, It's going to be awesome. It's pretty diverse. I sat in on uh, the first episode. 
Oh, that was a train wreck. And no, it wasn't. Thanks. It, it wasn't a train wreck. You you did a really good job putting that playlist together and and Thank playing you. it and interspersing it with horrible jokes about me. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I mean, you did I haven't try to forgotten. buy a breast pump. I mean, that, didn't that fucking happened. try to buy a breast pump. <laughs> I'm just going to add that to the cabinet of lies that you have against me. They use my own show and the shows that have come out of it yeah. to uh, just fucking slander my name. Hey, calm down, Splinter Dick. It'll be okay. <laughs> anyway, so we are doing a disservice to the Hawkins. You should go listen to them. They are available seriously. on Spotify as well. I believe Apple Music. Apple Music, iTunes, pretty much anywhere you can get music, get it. Give them all the recognition the they Hawkins need. The Hawkins ain't rock and roll. Hawkins ain't rock and roll, and I promise you, they lied. Um, That's very true. Also, again, Kevin Moe and the Reptiles. You can go to kevinmoeandthereptiles.bandcamp.com. Hear the best album of 22,000 and what is happening with numbers? 2014. 2014. I I accidentally got that right. Like, I was trying to fuck it up, and I didn't fuck it up. 2014. We're all really proud of you. Kevin Moan is now a part of the Adam Age, which is another really good band. Um, but he made an album by himself. He did. All by himself. He did. Uh, featuring such amazing songs as Phoenix, as well as... Dirty Water, which Dirty is the Water. other song that you hear in between. Mm-hmm. I promise you it's longer than like the two seconds Yeah, it is. Um as well as, of course, our intro for and outro for most episodes, which is Police State. Um, on this one, though, we are going to carry us out with Aha, Take On Me, which is a fucking sentence I never thought I'd say I in mean, my life. Here we are. Nuclear War is imminent. Aha just released this song. It's pretty cool. Baby birds, before we let you go... Please remember to take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Cage, buddy, I hope we did you proud. To see you again on the other side. I don't know what I'm to say. I'll say it anyway. When you're cutting wrapping paper and the scissors start to glide, that's what I imagine heroin feels like. It's even better than that until the dependency kicks in. Imagine that you have two pairs of the sharpest scissors in the world and you have a sheet of paper 300 yards long, and you can just run and cut the paper with your scissors. Once that paper is cut, someone just takes a new piece of paper and stretches it out for you. Sounds great, right? But then your scissors start to dull. Eventually the paper just rips. So you go to leave the room, maybe find some scissor sharpeners, but the door is locked. That's heroin addiction. You decide to just sit in the room with your other pair of new scissors. One day, someone unrolls a little piece of paper for you. You think about how much you used to love running for yards and yards, effortlessly cutting paper with your new scissors. Then you vaguely remember the suffering at the end. I'll only cut a little paper today, and definitely none for at least a couple days after. I deserve it, you tell yourself. The paper won't pile up like last time. So you pick up the scissors. What can I say? Cage and I shared the same anxieties, the same fear, and the same love to argue about just anything. (laughs) He made me feel less alone with my thoughts. Um, 
I really wanted to see him change the world, though in a lot of ways, he already has. Um, I'll miss his insight daily. We need more of him on this fucky place that we call home. In so many ways, he's swayed my opinion about things and he's given me the resources that I need, you know, the information, the questions that I always wanted to ask, he always knew the answer. And I think that's why a lot of us really did look up to Cage. But I'll miss him, and I'm sure we're all going to meet him sometime soon. So for now, everybody hang in there. He knows that we all loved him. And I really appreciate you making this for everyone to share their thoughts. Day.